Kernels, we're back. Welcome back to the Bankrupt Hippo YouTube channel. If you're looking for an episode of Coffee and Kernels, well, you've come to the right place. I'm Bryce, and this is episode 26. And now I should probably look at the camera. So for those of you watching on video, probably on YouTube, or maybe even some other platform, y'all can actually see me. So once again, thanks so much for joining. Last week, no episode, but this week we're back. Ah, man, the holidays are here. We're about one week out from the Christmas holiday for those of you celebrating. I know this is also the time of Hanukkah and things like that. So for whatever holiday you're celebrating around this time of year, I wish you nothing but the best. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a ton of things. Obviously, if you haven't been living under a rock and are into the world of movies, you know about Spider-Man No Way Home. Hell, even if you aren't really in tune with the movie industry, you probably know that Spider-Man No Way Home has been out because everyone and their mother is going to see this movie sometimes three four five six times and how do i know that well this weekend on friday i don't believe the full weekend numbers are out yet but on friday i think it was reported that spider-man no way home made like 125 million dollars on just friday alone that's on pace to potentially be one of the biggest domestic box office opening weekends of all time which would pass up the force awakens that's a lot of dough. My projection for Spider-Man No Way Home was to make $175 million domestically, and it made $125, give or take a few million on Friday, according to the reports that I've been reading. So, unfortunately, at the time of this recording, the official numbers aren't out yet. However, I would venture to guess that No Way Home has a chance of becoming the biggest domestic opening weekend of all time. And to boot, the movie's actually really good, but I'll talk about that in just a second. So... For those of you who are new here, this is how the show is going to go. We're going to start off with a weekly recap, which is just going to be everything that I've done up until this week, and I'll give some additional commentary on that as the episode goes on. We'll talk about box office results that are currently out, which are usually ones from the previous weekend. Unfortunately, when I record this, that's just all I have available to me. Then we're going to talk about some other topics that I like to get into. Usually it's just one or two because I don't want to keep these episodes too long because... Well, other videos to shoot as well. I'll actually be shooting my Resident Evil 3 remake video maybe today. And also be shooting my review for Klaus, which I'll talk about both of those very soon. Anyways, then I'll give you my random thought of the week that's inspired by all the things that I've done. And then I'll give you some weekly recommendations in order to keep you entertained throughout the week. So without further ado, let's get into the weekly recap for this week. There's quite a few things that I did, and honestly, I'll kind of even roll this into last week a little bit too, since there was no podcast episode. However, I went and saw a movie in theaters, I went and saw a streaming movie, and I also finished a couple of games, believe it or not. It just so happens that this weekend I ended up wrapping up a couple of shorter games that I've been picking up recently, and for whatever reason, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoy a shorter game experience i like playing through a story linearly and only taking like 10 hours or less to do it i'm even okay with 15 to 20 in most cases it's just i i found my taste for games that are like 100 plus hours just don't suit me anymore because that's just way too much time to spend in one game if i was a little bit younger and i you know used and i had like holiday vacations of multiple weeks where i would just play games i'd be okay with having like 100 hour games Plus that way, since I can only get a game or two a year in some cases, having a game be over 100 hours was totally cool with me because that's all I could play. So that's not really the case anymore. But in the, what, what games did I finish for this week that fit the criteria of being short linear stories? 
They're not exactly great stories, but they're short nonetheless. Resident Evil 3 Remake and also the original Crash Bandicoot. I picked up the Insane Children on Black Friday. I believe it was for like 20 bucks. The deal was so good that I couldn't pass it up. And honestly, I've been waiting to replay that trilogy for several years now. I actually had a friend in college who came by one time and we played the Insane Trilogy on PS4. I just got a little taste of it and I've been wanting to play through it again ever since, but I wanted to wait till it was a good deal because my gaming backlog is quite large at this point. Now it's kind of gotten down a little bit from size, which has been phenomenal. But yeah, played through the original Crash Bandicoot. I played through, out of the Insane Trilogy, I just finished one last night, actually, right before I went to bed, so it was perfect timing for this episode. The game does feel a little dated, I'm not going to lie. There are things and mechanics in there that make it feel like, wow, yeah, this was definitely an original PlayStation game, because it was, it, it, I've never played a game that was so addicting and so difficult and frustrating at the same time. The beautiful thing about Crash Bandicoot is that when you're playing through it, one, it's really linear. It doesn't take you a ton of time to beat. It maybe took me 10 hours. Like, I played this an hour a night for, like, two weeks. So maybe I'm being a little short on the time. Maybe it's 10 to 14 hours. But what's beautiful about that is there's almost, like, no load screens whenever you die. So whenever you're using Crash and you fall into a pit or you get hit by a turtle or whatever the case is and you die... The mechanics of the game like kind of let you binge it where you can just it loads instantly and you're back on track again and you just keep going and going and going and that kind of gameplay i think is why it's so addicting is because the absence of those load screens in order to get you right back into the level is almost none like there, there's really only load screens if one you run out of lives or two if the level's beginning or ending so it's very, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I was always coming back for more. The One of those frustrating game mechanics that I'll touch on right now is that there are these bonus rounds within the levels that you'll run into, and the trouble with these bonus rounds is you can complete them as much as you want, or you can die within them as much as you want, and there's no consequences. So the game encourages you to go through those bonus levels, but the problem is every time when you die through those bonus levels, it reverts you outside of the bonus level, so you have to go back into it. And the thing that sucks about getting back into it is it's one of those points where there's a load screen. So it feels really pointless for it to just kick you out of the bonus level only to experience like two load screens back to back. That took a little bit of time and that was really frustrating, especially if I was getting really stuck on a bonus level. I'm a completionist, so whenever I go and play through these games, I com I complete them as fully as possible. I don't go back. I typically don't go back a second time around and try to get everything. I try to get everything on my first run through. I just don't like doing things twice. It's just not it's just not my thing. But other than that, it, it really gave me some nostalgia. It really was a lot of fun to play. And if you guys are looking for some mindless fun, and if you have like a younger sibling, a younger cousin, a daughter, son, whoever and you want to play something fun with them that is addicting and you can easily just pass the controller between the two of you, check out Crash Bandicoot the Insane Trilogy because it suits everybody and it's perfect for that use case. So check it out. That's what I played this week and I think that you should too if you're looking for something different. The other game I finished, as I mentioned earlier, was Resident Evil 3, which I also finished yesterday. Resident Evil 3, I have had my eye on since it came out and let me actually double check it's been several years now that I've been dying to play this game, and I finally 
had the, the, the stomach to buy it. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake. I think it came out in like 2019. If I'm not mistaken, it came out just after the Resident Evil 2 Remake, which was phenomenal if you guys haven't played that, by the way. Um, let's see. Resident Evil 3 Remake. Release date. Oh, okay. So it came out in 2020. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, it came out in 2020, so it's been a little over a year it's been almost two years now maybe that's why it feels so long but yeah resident evil 3 remake i've had my eye on for quite some time now and i've been wanting to play it because i love resident evil 2 the remake and i was like i'll pick up resident evil 3 why not and it was on sale on the xbox store for like 17 bucks and i had a five dollar gift card so it was like 13 and i'm like there's no excuse for me not to pick it up and play it i might as well and from what I've been hearing about Resident Evil 3, I heard it was a really fun game. I played through the demo. I had a good time with it. There's nothing really groundbreaking in the game that changes between 2 and 3. Less for one mechanic, which I'll talk about in a second. But I had heard it was a really short game. And I think that's the reason why I waited till it was on a good sale price in order to buy it. Because I didn't feel comfortable paying 60 bucks for a game that I had been hearing was about 4 hours. Now... I know that was typically the norm back when Resident Evil 3 was released, so we're talking 90s, early 2000s at the latest, but today, the standard for game time, I would expect a game to at least be 8 to 12 hours, uh, 8 to 12 hours is my bread and butter for game times anyway, but for a game to be 4 hours and for me to pay a full price for it, I didn't really feel comfortable with that, which is why I think I waited so long, having said that. Resident Evil 3 Make was a ton of fun to play, and I really enjoyed it. And it took me about four and a half hours to finish all the way through. Now, what made Resident Evil 3 different from Resident Evil 2 for me, there was one main thing, and that was the dodge mechanic that they actually introduced in Resident Evil 3. What that is includes the fact that if a zombie is about to come up and bite you or if an enemy like the nemesis is coming to attack you for those of you who don't know nemesis is in this game frequently and he's a son of a bitch to avoid because he's fast powerful strong and once he starts hitting you there's no stopping but anyway as soon as they're about to hit you you can press i believe the right bumper or the left tr or the left trigger which is the aiming mechanism and if you time it right you're going to go ahead and avoid that attack which is very useful can save you in a pinch and if you master it it can probably save your ass in the game on quite a few occasions me i almost forgot it was there at several points i'm like man i'm getting my i'm getting my ass kicked because there are points where zombies just bombard you and i would have been able to use that mechanic but i kept forgetting about it but when i did remember that i had it it was particularly useful the one concern that another youtuber that i was watching brought up was if you get so good at it, it can almost make you feel invincible. I didn't use it enough to feel that way about it. If you guys are curious as to the review I'm referring to, Jeremy Johns reviewed this game, and he's a he's probably one of the most popular reviewers on YouTube. He's a funny guy too, but I didn't really feel that way. I didn't I didn't feel that way about the mechanic because I didn't master the mechanic, so I can't speak to that. All I'm saying is that mechanic was to me a nice addition. But I could see how people might feel that it makes the game a little bit too easy. So keep that in mind. Take that for what it's worth. I overall enjoyed having it as another tool in my arsenal. On the flip side of the coin, kind of transitioning a little bit, the one thing that I noticed in Resident Evil 3 that was definitely not the case in Resident Evil 2 is Resident Evil 3 had a lot more ammo in it than I ever expected a survival horror game to have. 
with Resident Evil, the franchise, it the, the the survival horror franchise was born, or I should say, the survival horror genre was born out of it. And part of that is the fact that you're doing ammo pinching, meaning that you save every single bullet, every single grenade, every single weapon that you have because you never know when you might need it. And if you're fighting something big and bad and you have no ammo, you're kind of screwed. In Resident Evil 3, I had so much ammo by the time the game ended that I started wasting everything in my path frequently because it just kept giving me more ammo, more ammo, more healing, more first aid spray, more herbs, and I never really ran out of anything. I didn't have to worry about running out of anything. And it actually got to the point where I started thinking, if this game didn't have really slow running for Jill and Carlos, who are our main protagonists that you play at in this game, this would have been a borderline action game. It was it was that it was that abundance in ammo and I was fine with it. I was fine with it because it did overall make the game a little bit more enjoyable. It made it a little bit easier to get through. I played on standard mode for those of you who might need a reference. I didn't play on hardcore more because I don't usually like to do that my first run through of games because I find it gets so hard to the point where I don't even get to enjoy it. So I just like to casually play through it the first time around and then go back and play it real, on a really difficult level the second time around if I so choose. So the game did a great job of capturing the typical survival horror atmosphere of a Resident Evil game where it's dark, it's creepy. A lot of times you'll be in very enclosed spaces, but in Resident Evil 3, the setting's a little different because the setting is Raccoon City as a whole. It's not just a small cramped police station, it is an entire city, and that opens up the landscape and makes it feel a little less cramped. However, they still find ways to make you feel really uneasy at points and like you're really operating in close quarters and that something could go wrong at any second. So I guess I'll leave that there for my thoughts on Resident Evil 3 so far. There'll probably be a review review out for it this week. Maybe I'll publish that on Christmas Eve. We'll see. Depends. I might be watching Matrix Resurrections in theaters this week, so that might have to hold off till next weekend. But that brings me into the movies that I watched for this week. The movies that I watched for this week, I'll start with the theater movie I watched because that's the one that's been on everybody's mind, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home for me was quite amazing. In fact, if you guys haven't seen my review for it, it's up on the channel. I gave it a 10 out of 10. I thought it was a masterpiece of a movie. I, I'm i not going to give away any spoilers away, of course, because you, you guys probably haven't seen it yet, and I don't want to be that guy who ruins movies for you. The best thing I'm going to say to you right now is, if you can, go see this movie as soon as you possibly um are able to bring a friend, bring a family member, go and have a good time because that's what Spider-Man No Way Home is. It is a great time. It is very, it's a lot heavier than the other two uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, but it's very well balanced with being a meaningful story and a heavy story, but also being humorous and sticking to its DNA when it needs to. I'll leave that, I'll leave that there for now. There's my no spoiler review. There's my spoiler-free review on my channel if you guys are curious on my extended thoughts on that. But that brings me into the streaming movie I watched this week, which was a Christmas movie. I'm sticking with the theme of Christmas because it is about that time of year, and I love me some Christmas movies. I watched Klaus. I watched Klaus on Netflix, and I randomly stumbled upon this when I had been making my TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube shorts for this week. I've been doing one video a day about the movie of the day all the way up until Christmas, so... 
those are out on the channel if you guys are looking for some Christmas movies to watch. But I randomly stumbled upon Klaus in my research for the movie of the day, and I saw that it had like 94 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 96 audience score. I'm like, wow, a Netflix movie around Christmas that's this high? I have to check this out. So me, my family and I, we sat down, we watched this on Friday. Oh my God, this is the best, most unique, and most enlightening origin story of Santa Claus I've ever seen. And I don't say that lightly because I have watched a lot of Christmas movies in my day, but wow, this Klaus was, it was great. It was so, it was such a good movie. And if you're looking for something that is a little bit of a different take on the Santa Claus movie genre and is also clever in doing so, Klaus is really great for that. Your kids will enjoy this. You will most certainly enjoy this because this movie is surprisingly deep for being a Santa Claus origin story. And I would recommend it to just about anyone. So feel free to check it out. It was on Netflix. Netflix movies, uh, by and large, are pretty hit and miss for me. And I was pleasantly surprised by this one. So if you're looking for something different, grab some cocoa, sit by the fire, sit with your family, sit on your own. I usually sit on my own for these movies and check it out because it is definitely worth your time. And especially since it's only an hour and a half, that's what really, it's my bread and butter right there. When movies are between an hour and a half and two hours, that really gets me going. So friends, that's my recap for the week. What have you guys done within this week or the last couple weeks? What did you go see? What have you thought about the movies or video games that I mentioned? Whatever you think, you know, the comment section is let me know. Okay. So now, I'm a little late to the party on this, but I'm going to talk about the box office results from last weekend, specifically the weekend of December 10th through December 12th. This is going to be a very short box office results segment because of the fact that it was a very boring box office results week. The notable movie that debuted for the weekend that I actually ended up going and seeing myself was West Side Story which is directed by Sp Steven Spielberg, and it was, I think I gave it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was a pretty great movie. Or maybe I gave it a 7. No, I gave it an 8. Steven Spielberg, if you are going to watch one of his movies, you're more than likely in for at minimum a good time, if not a great time. The dude just always puts out stellar, awesome films. That's the case with West Side Story. I haven't seen the 1960s version from what I've heard from a lot of people who have, they say they like the 60s version better than the most recent version. I can't speak to that. You will have to find that out on your own. But West Side Story, I thought it was pretty great. And it actually opened at number one in the box office, but it only opened to about $10.5 million gross domestic, which is pretty low. It's pretty low, and it's even more surprising that this was the number one movie of the weekend, and it only made $10.5 million. I don't know why that is. I am not, I can't say I'm shocked, because for those of you who don't remember, In the Heights came out this year too, and it didn't exactly show great box office numbers, even though I had heard it was a pretty great movie. I guess that's just kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to these musicals. And I've seen that a lot with original movies too, where they won't necessarily make a whole ton of money. If nothing else is a testament to that, uh, The Last Duel and also House of Gucci are two movies that probably could have made more money, but didn't quite. I think House of Gucci had a lot more success out of the two that I just mentioned. But yeah, $10.5 million for West Side Story. I think it'll stick around in the top five. Not for very, I don't know. 
I have no idea how long it's gonna stick around for. In fact, in the top five for the for the that weekend, I don't know how many movies are gonna stick around because of how much Spider-Man No Way Home is gonna make. Like I think Spider-Man No Way Home, from what I've been seeing so far, is gonna make all of the money. Like I think it's gonna make so much money, and so many people are gonna have their eyes on it that almost no other movies are gonna get watched for the weekend. I'm curious to see what the number is going to be, so we'll talk about that later. But anyways, it's neither here nor there. What came in at number two was Encanto. It dropped from one down to two. It made 9.9. I'll round it up to 10 million in this case. Encanto was a pretty amazing movie. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was pretty incredible, pretty endearing. I almost want to watch it a second time. I'm going to wait till it comes out on Disney Plus after the 45 theatrical day window because the movie Encanto was a lot deeper than I thought and I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed watching really the story of family unfold. But it made $10 million second place. Not surprised it came in at second. It almost could have hung around for a third consecutive weekend at number one if my memory serves me right, but it didn't. $9.9 million. I think Encanto will be in the top five again after, uh, after the... Not after that. This weekend, that's speaking the weekend of the 17th to the 19th, so we'll see. Coming at number three, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ghostbusters Afterlife has actually made pretty good money for Sony. Right now, it's currently at $112 million, if I'm not mistaken. It dropped from two to three. No surprise. It's been out for a while now. It's been out since before Thanksgiving. It's been about a month. So, I mean, we'll just see that progression slowly but surely. Then coming in at number four, House of Gucci made $4 bucks. Total gross is $41 million domestically, which it dropped from three to four. It's actually had some success. I don't think it's going to break even because I believe the movie's budget was about $75 million. It's made $41 uh, gross. Maybe it's going to get close with the worldwide numbers, but we'll have to see. I really don't have much to say on that. And then Eternals at number five, which it's actually stuck around in the top five from the previous weekend. It made $161 million. It has made $161 million gross. Domestic since it's come out, it made 3.1 million from the weekend of the 10th through the 12th. You know, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I really don't know what else to say about those. It was just a quiet weekend. None of it, no results really shocked me. Each movie went through its typical progression of slowly making less money than did the previous weekend because more people have seen it and more stuff's coming out. So. I'm just gonna ask you guys any surprises from the box office weekend. I was a little, I was a little surprised West Side Story didn't make just a little bit more money. I thought it made twenty million more dollars, but whatever you think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. Okay, so the next topic I'm gonna talk about for this episode is gonna be around Spider-Man No Way Home. Of course, I'm not giving away spoilers because I am not that guy. Spider-Man No Way Home. You know what? Maybe I won't even talk about that too much because. I don't want to I don't want to risk accidentally giving anything away. I'll talk about its box office results. Spider-Man No Way Home so far, let me just double check my numbers to make sure that I'm seeing this correctly. So, according to Variety, they published this yesterday. Spider-Man No Way Home actually shattered the record and I believe it it it, it passed or it eclipsed Avengers Endgame and the Star Wars Episode 7 The Force Awakens with making $50 million in preview sales. I'm just breezing through this article real quick. It came, it made $50 million in Thursday preview screenings, which 
for those of you who don't know what those are those screenings are those that when they say the movie comes out on friday but in reality they start playing screenings for the movie that thursday afternoon so with the limited screenings that it did play on thursday it made 50 million dollars that is a lot of money to make in preview screenings and apparently it's on pace to make 150 to 180 million i said it was going to make 175 i i think that's even going to get shattered with the numbers on friday it brought in which like i said earlier was about 125 million if i'm not mistaken and apparently with with the 50 million dollar preview night spider-man no way home was the third highest preview gross of all time and of course the record holder for that is Avengers Endgame with 60 million, and then the Star Wars Force Awakens is in second with 57 million. For those of you who are curious as to what those two movies made by the time everything was all said and done on opening weekend, Avengers Endgame made 357 million in its opening weekend. Star Wars The Force Awakens made 248 million in its opening weekend. Of course, these are all gross numbers. I never talk about worldwide numbers on the podcast just because I don't, but. I'm wondering if Spider-Man No Way Home can actually surpass either of those. I don't think that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to have enough in order to pass Avengers Endgame because $357.1 million is a lot in a weekend. Plus, when you combine that with the fact that we're in the pandemic era still, to me at least anyway, and no movie has made even close to that much on opening weekend, and... With 50 million being made on Thursday, 125 being made on Friday. I think that, so 175 million the first two nights. On Saturday and Sunday, when everything's all said and done, I think there's a pretty good chance that Spider Man's going to pass Star Wars The Force Awakens and become the second highest gross uh, opening box office weekend of all time. I don't think it's going to get past 357 million. $357 million in a weekend is a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and I think if you would have asked me this question in a non-pandemic era, I think Spider-Man No Way Home would have had a chance to pass Avengers Endgame, but for now, I think by the time it's said and done, I'll revise my guess of $175 million that I made originally about a week ago, and I think that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to end up making $275 million on its opening weekend thereby surpassing The Force Awakens by $27 million for its opening box office weekend. So I'd be curious to see what you guys think of this. I think Spider-Man No Way Home was a masterpiece of a movie, like I said in my reviews out on the channel. Tom Holland gives his absolute best performance. The movie's a lot heavier than I expected. It's a lot of fun, and you'll have a great time with it, so go see it. But I want to know what you think. How much money do you think Avengers, or not Avengers Endgame, how much money do you think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to make on opening weekend? Whatever you think, you know where the comment section is. Let me know. And that's grow, uh, and that's domestic gross numbers, by the way. That's what I'm looking for. Or you can put in your worldwide numbers in the comment section if you'd like. Okay, so that brings us in into the latter third of the episode, which is going to be my random thought of the week. Uh, for, those, for those of you who don't know, I obviously am a lover of movies and video games. Video games have always been a part of my life because they're entertaining, they're fun, and they started coming into their heyday when I was young, like really, really young, and first started playing games with the Nintendo 64, the PlayStation 2, etc. But I am a movie fan because of the fact that I believe art is, movies are art, 
I think there's no disputing that. They're all very subjective. And movies, to me, have a way of reflecting real life back at you in order to help cope and understand it. Really awesome movies make you ask questions about your own life. They tell tales of characters where you can see yourselves in them. You can see how they cope with situations. You can see how they overcame their obstacles. And if you can extract something like that and apply it to your own life, a movie is doing phenomenally. Or if a movie can just make you feel awesome on the inside, then a movie is also done an amazing job. If a, if a movie can make you feel any type of emotion, it's an accomplishment. It can, if it can make you feel a range of emotions or if it can change your life, it's godlike. It's amazing. So having said that, I was watching Klaus this week, as I mentioned earlier for my streaming movie review of the week. And one question that came on my mind while watching Klaus, I'm not giving away spoilers, is the motivation, good deeds. People do good deeds for each other all the time, whether or not it be out of what I call the goodness of their heart, or if it be for selfish reasons. Now, the question I was asking myself while watching Klaus, for those of you who may have seen the movie already, you might have felt this too, is it wrong to promote good deeds? Is it wrong to do good acts for selfish reasons? I've been thinking about that a lot since Friday when I watched that movie, and in my review for Klaus, that's going to come out probably tomorrow or Tuesday. I'm not going to have that discussion. I'm just going to pose that question because that's my reviews are not for having ethical conversations. That's what longer forms like podcasts are for. And there's a guy that I follow. The The answer to the, my initial answer to this is I think that doing good deeds for others for selfish reasons, isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's better than doing bad deeds for selfish reasons. I would say that it's better to do good things than bad things in general. Of course, if you have selfish reasons for it, so be it. But as long as you're spreading joy and positivity, I say all bets are off. The reason I feel that way is because I was watching... There's this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk that I follow on. I've been following him for years now at this point, which is weird to think about. But he had a really interesting conversation about that with somebody. He said, if you're doing good deeds in order to get to us for selfish reasons, don't worry so much because it is a lot better than the inverse where you're doing bad things in order for selfish reasons. There's nothing worse than spreading negativity in the world. And doing it just to suit your own wills. Like, that really, really sucks. If you can spread joy and positivity, but you've got a selfish reason for it, I say so be it, as long as that selfish reason isn't going to hurt anybody in the long run. But that's, I know that might be a little bit deep for a Coffee and Kernels episode, but that's just, that's just been something on my mind, and that's just something, it's kind of something that I've been grappling with. My answer for that, um, and it's okay if you don't agree with that answer, like that's the kind of the fun part about being in this fandom and having these podcast episodes is to start dialogue about those kinds of things because I could change my mind tomorrow on that. My answer to that question could change at any second, any moment, any day. I could wrap up this episode, turn off the camera, and then think, huh, I changed my mind. But yeah, Klaus, it 
asked that question to me of is it bad to do good things for selfish reasons and it really made it really got me thinking the last couple days and i just wanted to share that all with you in order to promote some really fun dialogue so that's my random thought of the week any random thoughts that cross your mind for this week whatever you think you know where the comment section is let me know all right so now to wrap up this episode i'm gonna give you some weekly recommendations to watch listen to play whatever it might be the only exception I'm not going to give you this week is a TV show because for whatever reason, guys, I have been less and less in tuned with TV than I ever have in my entire life. For whatever reason, I just have a hard time getting into TV shows. So until I watch a TV show that I think is going to be worth your guys' time, I'm not going to recommend them anymore on the Coffee and Kernels episode. But as soon as I watch TV shows that I enjoy, I'll recommend them to you all and keep them on your radar. But for this week... My weekly recommendations are going to be for a movie, watch Klaus on Netflix. You're going to have a phenomenal time with that movie, and it's great for getting into the Christmas spirit. For the game, if you're looking for some fun, addictive nostalgia, and having some good sharing controller time with your friends, family, or otherwise, Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy, is a great place for you to start with that. So, without further ado, friends, those are your weekly recommendations. Any games, movies, TV shows you want to recommend to your fellow fans, whatever they are, the comment section is below for that kind of thing. Okay, friends, so that is going to do it for this episode, episode 26 of Coffee and Kernels. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I think I'm going to try to do another episode before uh, Christmas because I'll have a little bit more time on my hands, but in case I'm not able to have a fantastic holiday season, enjoy, celebrate with all in whatever way you deem appropriate. Have a great time, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been the Bankrupt Hippo YouTube channel. I've been Bryson. Until next time, have a great week and a great holiday.